Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. So please open up your Bibles to Matthew 13 this morning. And we're going to continue to look to the teachings of Jesus, the great conversationalist, the great storyteller, the one with all wisdom. And as we look to this one with all wisdom, to the Lord, we look to see how does he want to speak into our life. We look to hear, but we also look to understand that we might apply it to our life and also to proclaim to other people's lives as well. So please open up to Matthew 13. If you don't have a Bible with you, welcome to use a pew Bible. The scripture is not up here on the slides for this series, and I'm sorry about that. There's just been too much to put up there. And I want to encourage all of you to bring your own Bibles. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, please see me. And I have extra Bibles. I will be sure to get you one. So we have one more Sunday left after today in this parable of the sower. And then after that, we're going to go into just one week lessons from the parables. We'll do one parable at a time. And looking forward to Pastor Chuck will be preaching on January the 31st, I believe it is, the last Sunday of this month, on Youth Sunday. So you can be looking forward to hearing him as well. I know I am. So with everybody, everybody's Bibles open, let's read from Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus, when, it, when he went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things and parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Now, I remind you, we've been in this series now for about four weeks, so I can't cover everything today. If you're, if you're thinking I'm skipping over something, I encourage you to look back to the previous weeks, play a little bit of catch-up at home via YouTube, Facebook, our church website. If you need help finding those, let us know. But here Jesus begins to tell this parable, and it's been said that a parable is basically an earthly story with heavenly wisdom. And it's also been said that it might have been that on the way to this, to this sea, Jesus passed a sower, passed a farmer. So he uses everyday lessons, easy object lessons for his hearers to understand or to picture what's going on. I put a picture up here for you to help you understand. But we know also, and that's what this story is about, that not all people will hear. Not all people will Understand. Let's read on and see what he says about the sower. A sower went out to sow. And we continue on on verse 4. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But then when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Skipping forward to verse 22, we read Jesus explain that, As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of the riches choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. Now, in Mark chapter 4, it's interesting that it says it yielded no grain. That might help us to understand this a little bit more. He cont continues on in 23 and says, 
As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case 100-fold, in another 60, and in another 30. Thank you for following along with the reading of God's word. You're welcome to mark that page. Also, you're welcome to mark Luke chapter 8 or Mark chapter 4. We've been seeing that this story from Jesus of soils illustrates and describes four different types of soils, which help us to understand the four different types of hearts or how our hearts will be receptive of God's word. It will be receptive or not receptive to the hearing of the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news of his death and resurrection, the good news of his eternal kingdom, and the good news of kingdom living. This is what his disciples that day were preaching. This is what he preached, and this is what we preach. Once again, we're looking to the parable of the sower to consider our own hearts, our own receptiveness to the word of God. And we've seen the soil condition of the seed on the path. We've seen the soil condition of the seed on the rocks, the, sh the shallow soil. Now, just a quick reminder, on the path, this was a hard trampled down path where the seed is not even able to start to dig in to the soil. It's just too hard. The ground is so hard that it can't break through. And eventually, either the wind carries it away or birds carry it away and devour it. Satan carries it away. Sinful actions carry it away. Worldly actions carry it away. But then next, last week, we read about the rocky soil, the shallow soil. Now here, there is a little bit of soil, and there's such a little bit that it actually allows the seed to grow. But in some ways, it grows so fast, too fast, because the soil gets so warm by the sun, but then due to lack of depths, worldly struggles, persecution, and issues cause the seed to get ripped out of the ground to be scorched by the sun. Never to truly trust in Jesus in all ways. Today we focus on the third soil, the thorny ground, the weedy soil. One filled with thorns, which scripture tells us chokes out the good plant. Now here, what we're going to see is a person whose heart's soil is thorny, weedy, is filled with too much competition for space and time, and is choked by the empty promises of the world. Now, I, I thought about an illustration for this, and let me read this once more. The big idea of the thorny soil is this. A person whose heart's soil is thorny, weedy, is filled with too much competition for space and time. And because of this, it is choked by the empty promises of the world. You see, they are choked away from the kingdom of God. And as I thought about that word that scripture uses, being choked away, maybe I've watched too many action movies, but I thought about somebody being put in a chokehold. And as they're being choked, they're being deprived of the very oxygen that they need for survival. And that is what happens by this thorny soil, this weedy soil, is the more weeds that are allowed into this soil, the more overcrowded it becomes, and the more it cannot get the very oxygen that it needs, the very moisture that it needs for everyday life. This person's heart is being starved from the Word of God. And the Word of God, that very oxygen that they need for survival... For this day, for that day, and for every day. This person cares too little about his soul because he cares too much about the world. Some hearts are too distracted and they just don't focus on God as they should. Again, 
We're going to discuss, one, the soil, but we're also going to discuss, two, the seed. But things are a little bit different today, starting with this. One big difference to note here, unlike last week or the week before, is that there is soil. And there's plenty of soil. In fact, that's one of the problems. There is too much soil. There is so much soil here that it's not just a shallow bit, just enough for one thing to start to sprout. There's so much soil that the seed starts to sprout, but then other things start to intrude on the space and start to sprout as well. And at first, you might just think, oh, it's not a problem. There's enough soil in here for all of us. But eventually, it starts to still some of that good soil from the good plant. It starts to take over and still the space. There's so much soil that it's not noticed at first, and as it just gets into your space little by little, you think, I can deal with this, it's okay. But before long, you realize that you're being choked from the very sunlight, the very moisture, the very oxygen that you need yourself. Let's change this illustration over to ourselves. You see, one may be deceived easily as they think all is great. There's even growth here. Possibly this person attends church week after week. They get involved. They're serving. They look like a good person. But this person allows things of the world to continue to control them. They never really surrender to Christ totally. They may have sounded like they professed in their faith. They may have heard the news. And we do know that they heard the news from the scripture. But the things of the world have more control over their life than the things of God. They don't truly surrender in all ways to Christ. They say, I'll give you a little. I'll give you my Sunday mornings. I'll give you two hours of my week. But then every other day, they surrender to everything else in their life. And those things have a way of taking over. And taking a focus off God. I was recently talking to a high school friend who admitted to me that it's been five years since he attended church. And I think that it just seems like things in his life just kept creeping in, creeping in. And it just seemed like he didn't have time for it. Maybe he didn't need it. Maybe he was being fulfilled by everything else in the world until last week. He finally just had to pull over his car and he had one of those those come to Jesus moments where the Holy Spirit was just working on him and saying, you need me and he went to church that sunday praise the lord and i pray for him i'm praying for him every day that he continues to seek the word and as he seeks the understanding of the word of god as he think seeks jesus that he'll continue to push out the other things don't allow the things of this world that the thorns the weeds the non-necessity things of this world to push god out Allow God to push those things out. Otherwise, these things choke out the very oxygen of God that we need to truly live for eternity with him. Or maybe there's something else. Maybe I wrote down, maybe you just think you can handle it all. Things are good. You've come, you've heard the good news. You're putting away some things of your past which are bad. And you think, I can handle a little bit. It's okay. But as you allow a little bit in, you find that a little bit more comes in. Because the, the more you let a little in, the more it's easier to let a little more in. And the more and more you let in, the more that those things take control. And then you start to worry. And that's what Jessica talked about too today. You start to worry. And those worries 
take over. And those worries are not good because we need to only allow God to control us, not worries, not despair. Because we don't have despair, we have hope. The worry we have might be losing all that we have accomplished. We may think that if we lose our friendships, if we lose our popularity, if we lose our jobs, if we lose our money, if we lose these things, then how are we going to survive? But it's because we're placing our very identity in things of this world instead of in things of not this world. Our identity is in Christ, in Christ alone. He's the one that helps us. Before long, these things of the world eventually overtake our lives. And we find ourselves not having kingdom living, but having worldly living. We find that our popularity, our hobbies, our sports, our monies, our jobs, our families. I wrote down our social media, our politics, our news, our patriotism. Some of these things which are good in a little, but when we allow them to control our lives more than God controls our lives, they are bad. Anything that causes you to not have kingdom living more than worldly living, living is bad and separates you from God. They choke you out. They may start out as good thoughts. It's good to watch the news. It's good to have patriotism for your country. It's good to have a good family life. It's, I think it's good to have some type of presence on social media. It's good to have hobbies. It's good to watch sports. It's good to have some money to pay your bills. It's good to have all these things, but none of these things should be the almighty thing of your life that you look to, that you idolize, and that you think you can't live without. The only thing that controls your life is God, His Word, kingdom living. Maybe you thought at first, it helps me to relax to do this thing, to stay informed, one may think. But eventually that takes the place of God too. What do you do to relax? Do you first go for a run? Do you first go to social media? Do you first turn on the news? I guess not. That doesn't help us relax, does it? <laughs> or do you go to God? Do you go to him? Do you go to the, the word? Do you read the word? Do you go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you. I know I have so much in my life that takes away from you. I need you. Help me to push these things out. Because right now they're pushing me down. We need to get these things out of our life. Now, the second thing we see that's different from the soils before, and this is a big difference, is with the rocky soil, the shallow soil, it seems as if the things that would come into that life of that seed was largely out of their control. It was persecution or it was struggles. It was hurts. It was pains. But here, it's the individual's own actions which lead to their demise. It's things that you're allowing into your life to take the place of God. We allow outside influences in every single day. And the more that we allow into our life, the more it takes our focus off the one that should be in our life. I love that illustration that Jessica used in the children's message. Because I noticed, and I loved when she pushed those green vines behind face glasses. Because it took her focus completely away. She couldn't see anything but the sins that were in her life. And the more we allow in our life, the more our focus is blurred. Again, we need to evaluate our soils. And in Luke 8, 14, a cross-reference to Matthew 13, we read this. 
And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. Or in the Christian Standard Bible translation, the CSB, Luke 8:14 again says, "As for the seed that fell among the thorns, these are the ones who, when they have heard, go on their way and are choked with worries, riches and pleasures of life and produce no mature fruit." Now notice two things there. One is again, these people have heard the word. They hear it. They even begin to maybe even understand how much they need it. But they don't completely surrender to it. And that's why it goes on to tell us that second thing. Because they are choked with worries, riches, pleasures of life, they produce no mature face. Now there's no mature face, there's no fruit is within themselves or others because you can't truly produce fruit to others if you're not fruitful within yourself. N.T. Wright compares following Christ to the task of walking through a maze or a labyrinth. Wright suggests that the parable of the sower is somewhat like a map designed to help people navigate the maze. Losing focus comes in many ways of the seed that fell into the thorns, he says. Some really do have a deep-rooted hearing of the word. But then allow other things to take root in their hearts as well, like thorns, the other things choke the delicate plant of the word. These are all ways of getting stuck in the maze of not finding the way to the center. We must evaluate our lives, evaluate our hearts, and ask God to help change our hearts. You see, God does give us a map to get out of that maze. He gives us these illustrations of the parable of the sower and the things that keep us locked in the maze, blinded. But he also tells us that Jesus, in the light that he shines upon our life, the light that the Spirit shines upon our life, these things help us to guide, be guided through that maze and to find our way out. To not be stuck in this world, but be, to be forever changed for his kingdom. Next, it's important to see, again, that the seed does grow. In fact, it may grow quite well for quite a while, but it stops before producing true salvation, true faith. Why does it stop growing? There's just so much outside influence. There's so much crowdedness that it doesn't have room to grow. Have you ever been in a forest or have you ever taken care of your own yard? Maybe it's your flower garden. Maybe it's your bushes. Maybe it's trees that are just so close to each other that they can't grow to the full potential. I've seen where you walk through a forest or you walk through a friend's yard and it's so crowded that they have to cut down some of those trees. In fact, some of you own land and you need to remove trees every so often. When you remove those trees from that ground, from that soil, it provides more sunlight, more moisture, more oxygenated soil for the other trees, the other bushes, the other flowers to be able to grow strong. We need to remove the things in our life that get in the way of producing good, strong face, good, strong hearts. Mark, 8, Mark 4, 18, 19 tells us of the same scripture. Others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Those who hear the word, but the cares of the world get in the way. 
what cares of the world are getting in the way of your life, getting in the way of the life that you know holds true within God's hands? Are we more worried about these things of the world than heavenly riches? Hope is lost as God is lost from these people. But hope does not need to be lost if you place your hope in Christ. As we start to wrap up, here's the main application here that we need to get to. If we find that hope in God is more absent than present, that we are distracted and inattentive to him, then we need to stop and ask ourselves, are there thorns in the soil keeping the fruit that God has planted from growing up? Just as the farmer fields needs, need taken care of, we need to allow the farmer, which is God, take care of us. And that starts with number one. We need to pray. Pray for God to open your heart, to give you a new heart, a clean heart, a renewed heart, one which is able to hear his word and understand its worth. Ask him to remove the thorns, the thorn pricks, any damage that these weeds wrapping around you has caused. Store his word in your heart that you might not sin against him and pray something like this. I wrote down, pray, Lord, give me a new heart, one which seeks you, one which knows you deeply and understands you and your ways more with each day. Lord, please forgive me. Lord, soften my hearts that I might receive you more easily and forgive me of my sins. I might resist the evil better. Lord, thank you. Amen. If we are to understand his word, we must have renewed, cleansed hearts, ones which are able to see and understand his word more clearly. Number two, we need to pray for God to protect this new heart from infection. It's not enough just to pray for a new heart, but we must not continue to allow the old things back in. I heard an illustration this past week of a pastor I know who said they had somebody come to him and just say, I feel like I have demons in my head. I feel like they're taking over. I feel like there's all this darkness. I just can't see the light. And I want you to pray for me, pastor. And the pastor said, well, that's fine. I, I can pray for you, and I'd love to pray for you. In fact, I'll do it right now. But first, I want to tell you something. I can pray for you. I can pray for God to remove these things. But if you keep allowing them back into your life, it's going to keep controlling you. You need to make sure that you're protecting your new heart from infection. Ask God to help you to have a new heart, a softened heart, a clean heart. But then make sure you also continue to pray for God to strengthen this heart, to avoid the infection from the things of this world. Number three, give your heart a checkup. Give your heart a checkup. We do so much for our earthly bodies. We have doctors' visits and checkups all the time, yearly physicals. Some of these, some of you might not just have yearly physicals. Maybe you're in every month. Maybe you're in for lots of tests and evaluations. What do we do for our spiritual condition, our soil, our hearts? During an annual checkup at a doctor's office, the doctor reviews your past medical history. Then he does some tests, some checkups today, so that he can then look to the best way that you can have the best health possible for your future. We need to do a checkup on our heart today. We need to know and look to our past sins in order to know what maybe we might easily fall victim to. So that then we can look at our spiritual health today and see what is starting to creep in like that vine, like that thorn, like that ivy. 
what do we need to do then? What treatment? Just as the doctor evaluates and then prescribes a treatment, what treatment do we need to apply to our spiritual lives today to prevent it from the same things of the past entering into our future? So after the evaluation, the checkup, we need to make changes. Make changes which helps us to live in his glory, for his glory, and for his future kingdom. Next, number four, we need to tend to our heart. Now, at first, that might sound a lot like the checkup, but here's what I mean by that. We need to remember that this heart is new, it is good, it is valuable. Tend to your heart, appreciate its value. Just as the sower tends to the ground, plowing the field, removing the rocks and the weeds, we must continue to tend to our spiritual lives and our hearts too. Don't wait for that checkup in order to remove the weeds. Have such a relationship with God, such a relationship with the Holy Spirit, listening for Him in your life, such a relationship with people, fellow brothers and sisters in your, in your life, that you can see when these weeds even start to poke through that ground and you can remove them because of how much you love the new heart that God has given you. James 1.21 says, To put aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. Remove the things that replace God. Cut back the weeds and the thorns. Use some weed be gone. But you know, there's one problem I have. When I want to get rid of the weeds, I like to buy the stuff that removes everything. Don't start from scratch. Never remove God. Just get the weed be gone. Keep the grass. Cut back the weeds, cut back the thorns, but keep the good plant, keep the good seed. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Just as that says both God and money, we know that it's true that we can't serve both God and anything of this world. We need to serve God first. Our lives are meant to be fruitful, and we're only fruitful when we continually are faithful to Him and Him alone, 100%. And then, if you're fruitful within yourself, you need to be fruitful within the world. So that means you sow the seed. I saw one commentator say this week, the sower did not prejudge the soil, and neither should we. Who do we need to sow the seed to? The world. Our job, our responsibility and command is to spread the word of God, the good news, the gospel to all nations. Don't prejudge the soil. I struggle and think how many people would have sowed to my soil when I was a teenager. How many people would have sowed to you if they would have prejudged you and thought, well, I don't like that guy. Or that guy said something mean to me. That guy doesn't give me the time of day. But God doesn't prejudge the soil, and neither should we. He gives us an opportunity to come to know him. We need to show the people around us the hope that is within us. We need to show it to the world that lives in darkness. We need to make sure that we're rejoicing for the hope that we have within us. We need to make sure we do a little less grumbling and complaining and moaning and do a lot more rejoicing. Let the world see this side of you. Remember, as we talked about at Christmas time, the hope, joy, peace, love, and Christ. How quickly we forget these things. How quickly we get so overly focused upon the darkness 
that we fail to see the light. How do we close now? I want to urge you to consider the words of David. In Psalm 63, he says, I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My very flesh faints for you, God. And as we read those words of David, we see that even in the darkest of times, even when he was on the run, even when he feared for his very life, he would see his need for the companionship, for the provisions of God, for his help. We need to see this in our own lives, too, that no matter how dark the times are, no matter how much we're struggling, no matter how much we feel choked out by everything around us, we need to continue to seek God's companionship, his help, his provisions above all things. And even in the darkest of the times, David would praise God, and we need to praise God, too. Every day of our lives, I hope you'll echo these thoughts. But then finally... I know it's a verse which many of you have memorized, but we need to remember these words. Finally, brothers, out of Philippians 4, 8, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Do not allow the things of the world to distract you from the things of God. Do not allow your lives to get so overcrowded with things of this world that you don't have space anymore for the things of God. Do not have so many interests in life that the most crucial ingredient for life has no room to be added to your mixture. Those who have ears, let them hear. Pray for God to help you to hear, to help you to understand, and to help you to apply these things to your life. As I close, I just want to pray... But I want to challenge also all of you to pray in maybe a new way this week. As we think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I want you to think about the many people that God has placed you in your, placed in your life to help you, to help these thorny weeds from sprouting and from taking control. I want you to think about these people, and here's how I want you to pray this week. Every day. You watching at home, I want you to pray for the people who are here. You who are here, I want you to pray for those people at home. I want us to be praying for one another because we do so much devouring of each other, biting of each other, complaining about one another, critiquing one another. We need to spend more time praying for one another. We need to be spending more time thinking about what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is holy, what is commendable. We need to spend more time focusing on God and the hope that is within us, the spirit that he gives us to help guide us through life, and the people that he's placed in our life to help point us to him. Do that this week. Let's close in prayer, and then we'll have one final song. Lord, we thank you. We are never alone, Lord, and we just ask you to, Lord, please soften our hearts. I know for one, I know that I let things of this world get into my life every single day more than you. And things which might be good at first, but they seemingly take control and take away your time. So, Lord, I just pray this week that we would focus more on you. We'd focus more on the things which you give us to be able to bless us. The things which are good, the things which are commendable, the things which are just. Lord, may we focus on your hope. May we focus on the salvation which you've blessed each and every single one of us with. The things that we don't deserve, but you give us anyways. And Lord, may we thank you for every day that we have 
to be able to serve you because this is a blessing. And Lord, as we serve you with our life, we just pray for you to be glorified in all ways, in all things. Lord, I start off praying here today for the people who are not with us today because we miss them and we thank you for them. We thank you for the many people that you have blessed our lives with. And we pray for them. We pray may you keep them safe. May you convict them to be making sure that they are in your word daily just as we should be convicted as well. May you encourage them through the reading of your word and staying in the relationship with you. But may you also convict each and every single one of us of how we should go deeper and how we should care for this soil, how we should make sure that we don't allow any thorny weeds into our soil, how we should always be evaluating, doing checkups and making sure we're tending to our hearts to make sure other things don't enter in which take away from you. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Please stand as we close in song.